Welcome to Chasing Possible, a podcast where I sit down with ReliQuest founder and CEO, Brian Murphy. And as we go through the story of ReliQuest history, each episode is designed to give you a look into the mindset we've relied on to make security possible. Now let's go get it. Hey, I'm Dee Mack and I'm ReliQuest Director of Mental Conditioning. And I'm with our founder and CEO, Brian Murphy. Murph, how you doing today? Great, Dee Mack. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Thank you. Uh, hey, well, I just want to jump right back into the story of ReliQuest and look for some mindset and high-performance principles that we can pull from it. And, and to catch everybody up to speed, last episode, we started, well, where you'd expect, right? The beginning. You know, Murph officially founded ReliQuest on November 26, 2007. And we talked about the power behind the word possible. And Murph, you described, you know, you have this mindset to chase possible. In fact, that's why we're calling this podcast Chasing Possible. And, and that's what got your wheels turning to start your own business. And, and you, discussed, um, you discussed getting stood up for lunch when you wanted to discuss your business plan. You discussed quitting your job to start this new business, but you really didn't like have a great plan in place or even a name at the time, but you still went for it. And, and the courage it took to chase this at 30 years old, you know, and you're married to Renee and Devin, your daughter's two at the time. And, and one of the performance principles that we pulled from the beginning was the power of decisiveness yeah. and the power of just starting, right? Just go get it. And, and if you haven't listened to it, you got to go check it out because because listening to the beginning is going to add more context to where we're going today. So with all that, I just wanted to level set everyone. And so Murph, now let's go to January, 2008, right? You, you've got your 400 square foot office. It's painted. <laughs> you got your office supplies. Uh, you've already had your first holiday party with your one other employee in December. So let's let's just go right into January 2008. What's going on at ReliQuest? Yeah, DMAC. So January 2008, I mean, look, it was all about revenue, right? Um, and I talked to a lot of entrepreneurs today. They, they want to, you know, they want to do something, but they need to raise money. I'm like, man, don't you need to, if you can't sell something, if you can't start the business, if you can't find, you know, show somebody value, you got to get started. And so, you know, for me, um, we had an idea of what we wanted to do, you know, some, some engineering projects, a lot of statement of work stuff, uh, more, uh, you know, time, uh, time paid, you know, project based work where you kind of get paid throughout the different completion cycles. And so there's a lot of just cold calling in January of 2008. And, you know, I had that one other employee and I learned a great lesson and it wasn't, it wasn't her fault. Um, it's just, you know, there are people that are good to hire at different innings of a business, right? Mm, so yeah. we are in very startup and this person had never worked in a startup before. And, you know, when it came time to just turn on the phones and cold call, I mean, I was, I was dialing the phone 200 times a day to anybody I could find. And back then, you know, LinkedIn was around, but it wasn't as prolific in 2008 as it is today. So, you know, the in-mails and all those things, people just weren't as diligent to check them, even if they were on in-mail. And so um, I took the the book a list. So the Tampa Chamber and most business journals uh, for any of the sellers out there listening to this, they may be old enough to remember the book a list. And what it is, is I'll have a list of top retail companies, top 100 private companies, top 200 public companies. I grabbed, you know, the Fortune 500 ranking and you start calling, Right trying to get a hold of CIOs, heads of engineering, um, and just looking for work. Right. And so, um, 
you know, it's funny. I, I joke with people now that at that time, you know, I would have, you know, I, I would have built scarecrows and sold them to farmers, right. Um, just to, just to get money. And I had, um, about $50,000 of runway. Um, and I wasn't getting paid, you know, I was paying rent. I was paying this employee, paying phones, all of those things. So I had a little bit of runway. I thought I could generate some revenue before May and kind of keep, um, keep the lights on. So that was it. You know, that was really a lesson in coming in and just pounding the rock every day. You know, they have that old saying, that old um, story of the stone cutter, right? That just kind of yeah. chips away at the stone. And is it the first shot or the last shot that breaks it? Who knows? It just broke. Um, yeah. So that's a lot of what we were doing. Uh, and funny story um, in February. So I had graduated from Florida State in 99, 2000, and I would still go back and help out um, and served on our alumni board of fraternity. And I talked about that's where, you know, I kind of came up with this at a football game and decided to jump back in 2007. I was going to leave the company. And and so uh, I was still in touch there. And um, this was, you know, eight years after I graduated. And I got a call uh, from a guy that said, hey, you know, I've seen you talk at the fraternity before. One of my friends is a big fan of yours, said you opened a company. I'm, you know, in the MBA program at Florida State and looking for a job. He said, hey, if there's anybody that you should go work for, it's you. Hey, great. Left me voicemail. Didn't return it. Got another call. Didn't return it. I I think he left me six to eight messages. Um, and finally, I called him back and said, hey, look, you can come meet with me. We're a really young company. Um, I don't know if I need anybody now, but you can, you can come meet me. And this guy comes into first watch, um, or Moxie's in downtown. It's still there. Moxie's on Tampa street, North Tampa street and, uh, sits down and he's wearing like some kind of college kids structure, the old store structure. He looks like he's (laughs) going to a nightclub, but it's a suit. And, uh, and he sits down and had a conversation with him and, you know, I didn't really have an opening at the time, but I appreciate it. I said to myself, you know, if this guy calls me eight times, I finally call him back. He drops everything and drives on his own dollar four hours from Tallahassee to Tampa. And that was a lot of gas because he had a beat up Jeep um, that, you know, if it rained, it leaked water. And this thing probably drained gas like crazy. Yeah. Uh, and so sat down and I said, you know what? You come down to Tampa. And it's funny. I asked him, I'm like, well, what about your MBA program? Oh no, I can transfer to the online. I'm like, okay, whatever. So, you know, that was Chris Ellett. So I hired him in uh, uh, February of 2008. And, you know, it's important to tell that story because that's always been Chris. He was the perfect guy to hire in the early startup days. Cause you know, he joined, I think full time that was in January. He joined in February. I gave him all those lists and we had three phones. And the best way to know when someone's not a fit is when the two people in the room are banging away at the phone. And the one person is always finding a reason not to call. And it was just not the right fit. Right. And so that was a hard choice. Um, I removed her in April. Right. So, I mean, the first employee ever hired, I had to remove. And I learned an important lesson there. Like those payroll dollars are really important. So if we're not all all in and rowing the boat yeah. in the same direction. And in fairness, it wasn't the right fit for her. And so it wasn't going to end up being good for her. And there, then it was just Ellet and I. And so we 
from April, May, June, we would drive all over the state of Florida. Like we would get somebody on the phone in Clewiston at a bank and we thought they need a project done and we drive and we go get it done. Um, and then I had this idea and you got to be scrappy. You got to be creative. Yeah. And I said, well, what do we know? Like we all come from Florida state. He's eight years younger than I am. So he had, he had just been there. He still knows people. Well, we have this kind of alumni network and I don't know how powerful it is. And I said, well, they have this seminal futures, this career fair there. So I wonder, um, well, how can we leverage that? And so we got a booth at seminal futures. We looked at the companies that were going to be there, um, and recruiting. Right. And so these are typically most of the time they're not recruiters. They're not HR types. Most of the time, if you're a VP of engineering or director of engineering and you you graduated from Florida state, you want to go back and you speak in front of a classroom, you stand at the booth because you're trying to get the best. Sure. And so we came up with a target list of like the eight or 10 companies that were there. Um, and, uh, and, and called them ahead of time and said, Hey, we're going to be there hiring. We're a company headquartered in Tampa. Just curious what you're looking for. If we come across a couple of good students, we'll send them your way. So we had a little dialogue with people we were calling, got one director of engineering on the phone, got another, you know, uh, CIO on the phone. These are big companies and these are publicly traded companies. And so, you know, I'll say, I'll tell you, it's, um, cold calling a fortune 500 company is sometimes easier than cold calling a small business because no one ever calls those guys. And so if you just call them enough, Mm. you call them once, they're not going to call you back, but you use the old Ellet principle of call eight, 10, 12, (laughs) 15 times. And when they answer, um, you have some value for them. And so we built a couple of relationships, believe it or not, at Seminole Futures. It cost me 600 bucks for a booth. Um, we made koozies. We had giveaways. We talked to a ton of students. We actually, it was the reason then that we brought, we started hiring interns. I've always believed okay. in internships. So I was an intern at PricewaterhouseCoopers. Um, I've always been a big believer. And so we're there for this career fair. And we're meeting great people and great talent. Like, you know what? Why don't you come work for the summer? We'll pay you 10 bucks an hour at the time. Uh, they lived in Tampa. And so they would just come to our office and work. And through that process, um, uh, a, a uh, somebody out of the same fraternity that knew Elliot reached out to him and said, hey, I understand you're doing internships in Tampa. I live in um, Brandon, but I'd love to intern. And, you know, I can remember Elliot saying, hey, there's this guy everybody thinks a lot of, lot of thinks of very highly of. Um, we don't we don't know him that well, um, but everyone says he's great. The only problem is, is he just finished his freshman year. So the guy's only like he's just barely turning uh, 19. And uh, I'm like, man, I don't know. That's kind of young. And and uh, it's like, hey, Elliot said, I think we should give him a shot. Sure. Bring him down. Kid comes in, uh, he's all fired up and full of energy. We tell him we're going to give him this internship, and he was hungry. In fact, he had a Jeep, too. I don't know what it was about 2008 that everybody drives old beat-up Jeeps. But the Jeep guzzled so much gas that he would take the bus system in Tampa from his home in Brandon uh, to to our office in downtown Tampa, and he'd have to get there by 8 a.m., but he would have to leave by 5.30 to catch the last bus that was the direct line back to Brandon. And so I just appreciate that's how much that the kid wanted it, right? And so yeah. he sits down the first day. Now, we had gone to that career fair, met some people, had some follow-up meetings. We got our first couple of projects. So 
we go out, we find some consultants that can do, do this project work. We negotiate with a consultant an hourly rate. We negotiate with a customer, get their procurement and get them a markup on it. And man, we're going, we're billing, right? So we've got yeah. our first customer. And and the problem with that, a lot of people like think that's a great business model, but the problem is cash flow because you're making payroll to that consultant every two weeks, but you're only mm -hmm. billing the customer every month. And then big companies generally take 45 to 60 days to pay you. So I'm covering a lot of payroll, right? You're, you're you know, yeah. for the first month that I'm billing, I've already then, by the time I collect it, I've paid that consultant almost four months of salary, right? So you're always needing cash in a business, always, you know, cash is king. Nobody cares about revenue if you don't have any cash. That's just a startup tip for everybody out there. And so yeah. got this young guy, 19 years old. I, I do my first ReliQuest onboarding. We had uh, this young guy and three others that were joining us as interning. And I convinced the lady that owned the, owned the building. She had literally like a 200 square foot, like one, like one desk and a bunch of boxes in there across the hall. I said, can I do my training in there? And I took them through an onboarding. It was kind of our first, like, this is what I value. Like yeah. this is how we communicate. And one of the things I told them then is if, you know, we can only ever be as good as we think we are today. So we can only ever be as big, as good, as dynamic, and as important as we think we are today. Like does not set any limitations. Mm. Well, I give this guy the, uh, the, the fortune 500 listing, you know, Elliot knew that wasn't worth it. So he's calling through the business journal and cold calling everybody and using his network. It's really a gift of his. So his, this guy's like eight phone calls in and he sounds horrible. He's 19 sounds terrible on the phone. And, and he gets this receptionist and he says, yes, man, I speak with Ralph Lauren, please. I turn around. Right. Now. Our, I mean, think about it. we're in 400 square feet <laughs> yeah. and there's, there's like, I think seven of us in there now. So we're just back to back and I whip yeah. around and, and I, I can't hear what the lady's saying on the other end. And he's like, Oh, I understand that man, but he is gonna want to talk to me. And I just appreciated the guts that that took. And I'm like, man, this guy's got something special. And he worked with us through the summer, took a laptop home. And when he was back up in Tallahassee going to school, would get up in the morning uh, when most college students are sleeping in. And he called cold call from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. And then he cold call from from four to six um, when he got back from classes. And he did that for us for a year and a half longer. And his name is Colin O'Connor. So it's a good story of you know, two guys that still work here.